fakes the handoff. He drives the lane. He takes it to the house. Bouncing off defenders. He just laid it in. He just put it up and in. 56 seconds to play. Oh, by the way. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Game 7 is over. It's an instant classic. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A three for the game. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. You've got to pinch me. The doctor is now in. Hour number two. Glad to have you here on this Monday afternoon. Busy, busy week ahead again. Pac-12 championship game coming your way at Allegiant Stadium, Oregon, and Utah on the football side. Big football weekend at Allegiant Stadium. Of course, Raiders and Washington. Appreciate Heidi Fang for joining us last hour. You heard from Derek Carr, also Rich Basaccia, and Josh Jacobs. The Raiders victorious on Thursday, Thanksgiving. Got plenty of rest, and they get ready for the Washington football team coming up on Sunday. And Washington in action tonight against the Seattle Seahawks. Two teams battling in the NFC, so look forward to that. Matt Holt scheduled to join us a little bit later this hour. We'll talk to Matt as we handicap that game and talk about what our eyes saw on the NFL side uh, yesterday. And, of course, we had basketball all week. And we go back, just a fantastic week, uh, T-Mobile Arena, UNLV in action against Michigan, Wichita State, and then, of course, UNLV comes back home uh, they sandwich in a game against Whittier, which uh, they win rather handily. And then they had UCLA on Saturday afternoon at the Thomas and Mack Center. So a uh, tough schedule for the Rebels, but a lot of basketball, a lot of home cooking here. And uh, it was great. Not only that, we had the, the, the Maui Invitational and everything else. And, of course, the fantastic game, which we talked about with Duke and Gonzaga at T-Mobile Arena on Friday night. So uh, a lot of basketball all over the board, all over the city. High octane basketball at the highest level, and then uh, now we uh, start to approach into a big football weekend here coming up in Las Vegas. And join us now, the UNLV head coach Kevin Kruger. Kevin, what's going on, my man? No, not too much. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, my friend. I know it's a busy time for you. And before we, you know, get into. Uh, the basketball end of it. Again, a happy uh, belated Thanksgiving to you and, and your family. And, and I got to know, Kevin, I mean, did you have time since you were at home to squeeze in a a great family Thanksgiving meal there at the Kruger household? Uh, we actually had a lunch and Thanksgiving meal with the guys. Okay. So we had it up here at UNLV and, and we're able to sit and enjoy Thanksgiving with the guys. So, um, you know, growing up in the in the sport and in the business, uh, that's kind of actually just normal for the Krugers. So a little different for and unique for my wife, but you know, for us, that's uh, pretty normal. So does that mean you got off the hook for cooking, you, you and your wife, or you had to find people <laughs> yeah. at UNLV uh, in, in the kitchen back there cooking it up, or would you did you bring some stuff from home, or what's the deal out there? Yeah, no, we had it actually catered in. So yeah, no, we we've, uh, we've never really done the cooking thing on Thanksgiving because we're either on the road yeah. or got games. So. Um, yeah, again, unique for my wife, but uh, pretty normal for us. All right, so you, know, you got to give us a spread now, Kevin, because you know the food is a very important part of the show, as you know. Uh, you got got to lay us down that 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 uh, that spread, and I can imagine how much it was because you know your guys, man, they they can put it away. Oh no, they eat like crazy. So that's uh, but that's a good thing, you know. They're getting stronger and bigger, so they got to eat. But oh yeah, I mean, green bean casserole, biscuits. Uh, you know, turkey and gravy, mashed potatoes, pumpkin pie. You know, some, we had some salmon, uh, some chicken. We had, uh, yeah, the, the guys don't have any. Uh, there's no issues about feeding them here. They uh, they get their fill on a daily basis. Well-rounded table too. I mean, you went with the fish. You know, you went with the. You got the veggies. You got the turkey in there. You got you got it all covered, my friend. You checked all the boxes. Oh, yeah. Very oh, we got to make sure everybody's happy. There you go. Very nice. All right. All right, my friend. Uh, let's go back and talk some hoop. Uh, we go back to T-Mobile Arena. You guys had three major opponents in about an eight-day span there. I mean, you had you had Michigan. You had Wichita State. And you know, we mentioned UCLA on Saturday. Very tough stretch early on in the season. Give me your overall observations over the last week, Kevin, on how you feel that your, your team played 
during during the course of these these big games. Yeah, I mean that's something that you know we talked about with the guys even today. You know, the, uh, for being a, a new team with a new staff, and I don't think there's a lot of schools that have probably done or gone through a schedule like they've gone through in the first two and a half weeks. So we're proud of them. They continue to play hard. Um, they're locked in and engaged every day. So, uh, I mean, uh, there's still a lot of room, even though we've dropped, you know, three of, of four. There's there's a lot of uh, excitement still, in our opinion, as a staff, that we're, we're getting better. Uh, we truly feel we've played better offensively in every game so far. So, and that was, you know, a little bit of a struggle there early in those first three games. And, but we've continued to get better. And defensively, they're starting to figure, figure each other out a little bit more. So, no, we're, we're excited. We're still, you know, happy and, and, and the energy is great. So, uh, there's really no situation where we feel like this schedule is going to be hurtful toward, uh, for us toward. But, uh, at the same time, it doesn't get easier. You know, two tough road games coming up before we come back home. And I know that you said on Saturday, and I totally agree with you too, you really don't want to use the excuse of new and you're kind of tired of, of people saying, hey, this is a new team and that sort of thing. However, though, you really do have to use that when you're talking with the guys to, to keep them up. And that sort of thing as well, too, because, again, you had these huge obstacles in front of you. I mean, putting together a team basically still through the pandemic and trying to go through the transfer portal and building a team from scratch. And then you come back and you really don't have any choice because, again, you know, like you said before, is like, okay, COVID kind of threw everything off with the scheduling as well, too. And you could have like opted out of these games, but you said, no, let's play these games. And so, you know, with the team, you really got to, you know, you got to keep their spirits up and you want them to remain confident because, again, you are building towards the future. You're building towards, you know, the Mountain West Conference, which is coming here. And this really does help you a lot. So how do you balance that when you're talking with the guys and say, hey, let's don't get discouraged here, but, you know, hey, we are new, we're playing a tough schedule, and the future's bright? Yeah, I think that we just got to keep it into perspective for them about getting better and, you know, what mistakes are not allowed, but what mistakes are, are okay for growth and what mistakes should be corrected by now. Um, you know, something as simple as, you know, remembering a certain play should probably – be expected by now versus, you know, uh, a terminology on the fly defensively against a, you know, a different pick and roll coverage or whatever it may be is something that we might have a little more leeway with. And uh, while we'd want it to be perfect from day one, you know, everybody comes from a different situation. Some guys at schools for four years, some guys at two different schools. So there's a lot of terminology and a lot of things going through their mind at, at, you know, game speed. So uh, as long as we just feel, that we're getting better. You know, we're going we're gonna to dive into them. They, they spend a lot of time here in the gym. So as long as we feel like we can continue to do that, we'll be playing our best ball, you know, by the end of the season and just continue to progress. And I think, you know, that's something that we, we love our team. We love, you know, the, the ability we have as a group. So as long as we can keep that as the goal and, and keep that in mind, uh, I think we'll be all right. Like you said, you lost three out of your last four, but really – you guys gave a really good account of yourselves against you know those tough teams in Michigan and Wichita State and UCLA. And I know you're not looking for moral victories, and I appreciate you know that about you. But what can you take away from playing these top teams the way you did play them? Well, I think that we can take specific moments in the game. Um, you know, this being an older group. You know, in in the Michigan game, I think it was a five or six point game with a, a couple minutes left. You know, we've really got to lock in at that point and and you know change to do something to change the outcome. Uh, you know, we might you know looking at it on film, talking with the guys individually, just kind of, of how we see it as a staff versus what they saw out there and how they felt, so that we can be on the same page. So that we instead of you know from it going to eleven, it goes to tie. And the same thing with the UCLA game. You know, guys, we got off to a really bad start um, and got a little behind the eight ball with an elite defensive team in UCLA. But, you know, fought like crazy even to, with 14 minutes left to be down nine right. and, and battle back. And then at that point, though, you know, did we do what we needed to do to continue to take it from nine to five? And I think after watching film with the guys today and meeting with the staff, 
uh, we, we probably would have done some things differently. And not just the guys, of course. I mean, we look, we're, we sit and meet as a staff and, and talk about things we would have liked to have done differently. And if we're in that situation, again, what can we do differently? And so it's, it's probably more on us than them, to be honest. And, and, but that's, that's, just, that's just kind of two examples of how, like you said, I mean, we don't do moral victories. But uh, I think we can take those specific moments. And that way, the next time they do come up, we can revert back to them in our memory. You talk about the Michigan game. You guys were in that game, uh, you know, the entire game, and you were right there, played exceptionally well for for the better part of that game. Then you go to the Wichita State game, a game where you were leading, and then you guys went on that scoring drought, uh, you know, for a while. I think it was like what seven seven and a half minutes scoring drought. How do you how do you address that, and then how do you correct that moving forward? Yeah, I think it's it's a perfect example because that's where we look at you know just making sure from the film that. Uh, you know, what we saw as a staff from the sideline versus what they saw and felt out there in the game. Mm-hmm. And that's where we find where's the where's the hiccup, you know, where's the kind of mix up in, in understanding of so that we can be on the same page. Because if they don't, if they're out there and they see something different than we feel on the sideline, uh, we've got to communicate it and we've got to you know, get on the same page so that we have a better vision of what they see and vice versa. You know, we can't go into those through those uh, scoring droughts and, you know, not learn from it and not and maybe, you know, where was there a miscommunication? Where was something that we said that went unheard or where did you have something or, or an input that maybe we missed as a staff? And uh, again, it's just, that's kind of the same as the other two games is how, how do we take that specific instance and make it better next time? At the end of the Wichita State game, obviously there, there was some controversy there where the, the foul was called, uh, you guys were you know were up one at that point in time. Looked like hey you know you guys are going to pull this thing off. Questionable call. Uh, you know driving down. I believe it was ATN was driving down the the sideline there for for Wichita State and and the foul called with a, a second to go. Uh, from your perspective, Kevin, talk about what happened and what was the explanation that was given to you. Uh, well, there was no explanation. Um, you know that you rarely get somebody to share their opinion right. on that one in that case, but. Uh, you know, you still got to just, regardless of what foul, no foul, you got to tip your hat to Etsy and just step up to the line and make two shots, you know, down one with, you know, three and a half seconds right. left. You know, that's the one you shoot every day in your driveway, you know, to win the game. Two shots, you know, down one. And, and he stepped up there and made them both back rim, you know, both perfect shots. So, you know, it is what it is. He But at the end of the day, he still stepped up there and made, made two free throws. I mean, we could have, you know, if he misses both of them, nobody's really talking about, the, the foul call and controversy or this or that. So you just got to kind of tip your hat to him for being a really good player and knocking down game-winning free throws. Talk a little bit about you know putting your team in that environment and you're playing off campus, you're playing at T-Mobile, it's still here in Vegas, but again, it's you're playing Michigan, you're playing Wichita State, you're playing in a big-time tournament, uh, and your first time here as a head coach, and for a lot of these guys, you know, definitely the first time together. What was that experience like that you take away? Oh, it was great. It was great. It was a great atmosphere. It had a very NCAA tournament-like feel to it with two other teams playing um, with their fan bases there. And then, you you know, the game ends and you get your warm-up time to go out there. So uh, I thought it was a it was a great event, great uh, T-Mobile. is an unbelievable facility. I thought we had great uh, fan support, even with the games being as late as they were. But uh, I would love to do it again uh, with these guys. And, and it was a large reason why a, lot, a handful of them in their decision to come here that played a part. You know, we had talked about you know, that event being at T-Mobile. We talked about UCLA coming here the next week, uh, Cal in the first week at home, and, you know, just just having a non-conference schedule that you know, grabbed their attention was, uh, was a huge part in a lot of these guys coming here. You know, to that point, Kevin, and we'll, we'll, I'm going to cross it over maybe a little bit here, even to, to football or just any sport for that matter. When you're now in the thick of this, of recruiting for UNLV and you've been as an assistant the last couple of years. And of course, again, you made the choice, you know, yourself to come here for a year. Now that you have everything here, you have the Raiders, you have the city, the way it is, and you have the facilities and you have all of these other things happening like these tournaments. And then now you have, you know, you're, you're building the schedule. Uh, how easy is it to, to now recruit for UNLV, is it different now than maybe it was 
five years ago, 10 years ago, even 20 years ago, even though the Rebels had a ton of success. But I'm even going to go, you know, football, basketball, and every sport there, you know, on campus there. I know a lot of people think, like, with the football program, they should be better because, you know, they got the Fertitta football complex, but then, they, you know, they got, they're playing their home games where the Raiders play at Allegiant Stadium. I think there's this, this aura or now maybe this expectation with all the sports that, hey, things are expected to turn around for all the sports because you're recruiting these great facilities and you're recruiting the, the new Las Vegas. Yeah, I think there's, a, there's an element of expectation to, with that. Uh, you know, the, Vegas has become the sports capital of the world. Uh, I mean, how many conference tournaments are, are played yeah. here, you know, that don't have a team here? And then, you know, even the Pac-12 football championship is here. Uh, I believe the Pac-12 offices are moving here. Uh, you know, the the Las Vegas Bowl, you know, the um, not the bowl game, but the one at the beginning of the year is bringing, you know, you know, huge names uh, to right. come out and play. So, and then obviously USA Basketball and Summer League being here on the basketball side, it, it really has become the sports capital, and I think it's just going to continue to grow. So uh, it's absolutely something that when we talk to recruits, we talk to you know, the excitement level of the city for sports and, and the games that we play and the opponents and how NBA scouts love to come to Vegas and catch a game and another sporting event. So uh, it's absolutely a place they can be seen. All right, Kevin Kruger, head coach of UNLV. The Rebels are 4-3. and three. Kevin, did you get a chance to either attend or to watch the Duke-Gonzaga game at T-Mobile in front of 20,000 fans? And again, the, the biggest crowd that we've had in the state of Nevada for a basketball game. Uh, I just watched a little bit of uh, on TV, but uh, nothing other than that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just a fantastic atmosphere, and like I said, just culminating a long week of great college basketball here in Las Vegas. All right, you guys are getting ready for your first road trip. Uh, you're going to, to SMU. You're going to USF. Uh, first seven games at home. Is there, is there a little bit of difficulty of not playing a road game until you know three weeks into your schedule here, or... Uh, how do you feel about that? Um, well, we actually played a closed-door scrimmage on the road for this exact reason. So the guys have uh, experienced it, you know, getting on the, you know, everything from packing and how we're going to do it as a program of when we leave uh, all the way down to, you know, when do they eat before they get on the bus and what's what's uh, in the hotel when they get there or, and what's the plan, uh, how we're going to eat and watch film, you know, all those little things that might be different at uh, at each place you go. Uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, of course, but just different. And um, so that's why we did one closed-door scrimmage uh, on the road at Northern Arizona so we could experience this. And uh, although it'll still be a little new, you know, only being the second time for all of us, uh, I think that that little experience of it, that little taste of it, well, at least it won't be completely foreign. But uh, obviously two very tough games. Um, SMU's playing well. San Francisco's playing really well. So uh, excited for the opportunity and the challenge. And I know the guys wouldn't want it. Wouldn't want it any other way. All right, yeah, traveling to uh, SMU to uh, take uh, take uh, on the Mustangs on Wednesday. Then you go travel to San Francisco on on Saturday. Let's talk a little bit uh, about SMU. And again, you're not really familiar with really either of these opponents, especially you know maybe SMU. Uh, but this is really good. You know, we talk about Michigan and we talk about Wichita State. We talk about UCLA. I mean, talk about great for the RPI. And then now with a chance, if you can, you know, pull off maybe a victory or two against these two teams because these two teams are, could be postseason teams as well coming up this week. Yeah, I think, I mean, what what you've seen that we've played so far is, uh, I mean, even, you know, they may not be an at-large team, but North Dakota State yes, is used yeah, to winning. Right. You know, they're, that, their right. culture is winning, and they've won the Summit, and they've gone to the NCAA tournament. And uh, so, I mean, so far we could have played potentially four or five NCAA tournament teams already. And, of course, you know, Michigan, Wichita, UCLA will, will probably be in. And then, like you said, you got two teams in San Francisco and SMU that are probably a lot like us, just trying to get wins against teams that have a chance to make an NCAA tournament. And, uh, again, it's just, you know, that's what makes it kind of fun is, uh, you know, going against, you know, those types of schools and programs that um, just had, just there's a little bit of uh, excitement and less electricity in those games because they're, as you mentioned, you know, the RPI takes into account and, and uh, uh, at the end of the day, that's just kind of what makes it more fun. All right, my buddy, Big Bill Cartwright's going to be waiting for you there uh, on Saturday, and he's always is he really? 
Oh yeah, it's, he's 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 uh, right there with those dons. You'll you see he'll he'll be sitting behind the USF bench there. He's got the Cartwright section, and uh, you know we're always he's always p- uh, pimping his dons out here. So uh, there there you go. He's going to be having a close eye on you, and he's been watching you guys because him and I go back and forth about about UNLV and USF. So uh, just be ready. You're going to see the seven footer there. You know on uh, on Saturday. I'm sure, I'm sure I won't miss him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Kevin, what? Uh, what is the key element for you like right now as you go back and you look at your team through seven games and what is say the element of improvement that you really kind of still want to you know circle or you want to emphasize with your guys like hey guys you know you know we're playing well but you know this is something that we really need to focus on and improve on I know there's several things but just just give us one that that you really want to hammer home to your guys at this point early on yeah, I think the the thing we talked to him about today was like to to remain stubborn, but remain stubborn in the sense of you know what you know the getting a stop for UNLV, getting the best shot for UNLV because you know all of pretty much our one through thirteen, you know what makes these guys good basketball players is their stubbornness and they're they're, they're bullheaded in the sense of they, that they want to prove you wrong and they want to prove people wrong, where it, whether it be you know guard something this way or make this specific shot. When, which is great because it's what helped them get here, and now it's just kind of almost bottling that up and using it together. So that stubbornness is is just the end result and the best result for UNLV. And and they're all, I mean, great guys. You know, we don't have any issues of guys being selfish in in any regard other than trying to help the team win. But I think sometimes we just got to continue to to be stubborn in following the scheme and be stubborn in follow and staying on the same page with the coaches so that everybody's on the same page and out there kind of doing the same thing. You know, with so many transfers and again, still, you know, waiting for these guys to gel together, who has, has really maybe even uh, is further along than maybe you thought they would be as far as getting along in your system or has taken a leadership role. G- give me a player or two that you've said, well, I mean, this, you know, this, this guy is really going to be the real deal. I'm really impressed. Well, I think both, uh, you know, one guy that's here, but he won't be here forever, you know, with Royce Ham and then yeah. another guy who will be, is, you know, Keyshawn Gilbert. I think those two kind of stick out the most just because, you know, the way they play and the way you guys have seen them play is how they practice. I mean, that's how they go every single day. They, they're full throttle, play as hard as they can, drills as hard as they can, uh, work as hard as they can after practice, and it, it's showing. You know, Roy Sam's number one in the country in defensive rebounding percentage, and that's no nothing other than just the effort he puts in every time the ball is shot to go get it. And Keyshawn, you know, you can feel if you've been to a game the the energy – you know, from the from the crowd, even from the fans, when he picks the ball up and guards it and starts sliding his feet, they you know they love that here. Yeah, and and he loves it, and I think that's what's huge for him and his development in his future here because that's that's a huge part of what we do and what we're going to do. Uh, you know, for the future. No, you're absolutely right. When when Keyshawn is in the game, when he comes, you know, into the game, you definitely feel that electricity. And you know, another guy I think who's winning over the crowd as well too is is Jordan McCabe as well too, because you know maybe it's just because of that flavor that he has too, the way he handles the ball and the way he can dish, and he he's made some great passes uh, in front of the home crowd early on here. Yeah, he's done a great job. You know, he's he's kind of steadied the ship, and and I think he's a, a large reason why. You know, we've continued to get better offensively every game. You know, the guys are getting a little more comfortable with him and more uh, reading and, and reacting and understanding what he's looking to do and what he's wanting to do. And, and he's been great in being communicative and, and leading the guys and making sure they're all on the same page. So I, I really think that's something with him out there that will just continue to get better. All right. Kevin, we appreciate the time as always, my friend. Good luck uh, on, the, on the road trip. SMU on Wednesday, USF on, on Saturday. And uh, we'll see you back here next week. All right, thank you. There he goes. Kevin Kruger, the head coach of the UNLV Running Rebels. Uh, the Rebels uh, got off to a big-time a big time start, got 3-0. and uh, Then they dropped uh, three of four games. Uh, they, they lost to Michigan, lost to Wichita State at T-Mobile Arena, gave a great account of themselves in both of those games. Uh, Whittier came in. They gave Whittier the beat down, which they should, and they did. And then they had UCLA Saturday at home, 
And uh, the Bruins, just a little bit uh, too much experience, uh, too strong. Remember, there's a UCLA team, Final Four team from last year that uh, was phenomenal. And, of course, that great buzzer beater uh, game against uh, Gonzaga in the Final Four uh, last year. And UCLA, with uh, three of their starters, you know, coming back. And uh, the Rebels, uh, they ultimately fall in that game on Saturday, 73-51. to But uh, still, great learning curve for UNLV at this point in time to be able to face teams like Michigan, Wichita State, uh, UCLA, and like Kevin mentioned, I mean, North Dakota as well. North Dakota State is a team that uh, they've been to the NCAA tournament and uh, they've won the Summit League, you know, many, many years. So yeah, they're they're facing top-notch competition and then go on the road. They're going to face a very good and athletic SMU team and then uh, USF as a team that uh, you know they are up there in the WCC and they're probably the third or the fourth best team there, but they're an upper echelon team uh, as well too. So yeah, you've uh, you've got a, a very good schedule. So think about that. They played seven games thus far, and when you get done with this, uh, of your first nine games, you've pay, you've played six quality opponents. Real quality opponents. And that's great. And I think Rebel fans want to see that. You don't want to see UNLV have a schedule of you know Florida A&Ms and Howards and, 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 and teams like that. And, we, and we've seen that before. Sure, you're going to have you know, a couple of those games, you know, a couple of those courtesy wins. But for the most part, fans want to see you play the, the good you know, D1 teams, the Power 5 conferences. That's what you want to see. And that's... Uh, what the schedule is turned into. So uh, kudos for UNLV. Kudos to uh, uh, Kevin Kruger for wanting to schedule that. And kudos for this team uh, because they will be good eventually uh, down the road. And this will get them ready for Mountain West Conference play, you know, coming up here in about three or four weeks. And, uh, you know, once that happens, uh, you know, these games are going to be, you know, big builders. So when you face Nevada and San Diego State and Boise State and Colorado State, and those are the games that are going to count. And uh, hopefully the Rebels uh, will be prepared for that. And again, even though this is a new team, you've got some guys that have played. I mean, you got Roy Sam Jr., you know, coming over from uh, from Texas. Uh, you know, Williams, same thing. Uh, Jordan McCabe coming over from West Virginia. Keyshawn Gilbert, like he talked about. Uh, you know, didn't really come from a high-profile program, but man, uh, they have got talent on this team. It's just going to take some time for these guys to gel together. And by the time the Mountain West Conference season, you know, kicks into to high gear here, UNLV should be a player. They will definitely be a player. Uh, you know, once conference season comes about. All right, but uh, uh, great watching UNLV play at T-Mobile during this past week and then also the game Saturday at home against uh, UCLA. So get out there, support the Rebels. And uh, like I said, if you're vaccinated, no issues whatsoever. If not, get vaccinated, get out there to the Thomas Mack Center and see UNLV play at home. And it really is time to start packing the Mac, especially when conference play starts. All right, when we come back, Matthew Holt scheduled to join us. He is in New York City. He's on the road, and we'll talk about NFL uh, tonight, Monday Night Football, and, of course, what our eyes saw yesterday on the gridiron in the National Football League in week number 11. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me big. T.C. Martin. Because you are a character doesn't mean that you have character. The Doctor is now in. All right, you get some Monday Night Football coming your way tonight. Close out a long weekend of football, but it's been great. Three games on Thursday. Then, of course, the Raiders take care of business Thursday in Dallas. And then the Sunday, plenty of football. And then tonight we got... Washington hosting Seattle in this game moving a little bit in favor of the Seahawks that haven't really done much the past couple weeks. Let's dive into that with our good friend Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity, who is on the road this week. Uh, He'll be back here for the Pac-12 championship game on Friday. Looking forward to that. Oregon and Utah at Allegiant Stadium. But in the meantime, uh, my man is uh, taking care of business all over the place. And uh, I I think uh, we may may have him in in the back of an Uber uh, going from New York to New Jersey. Who knows? What's going on, my man? Uh, I am. I just landed at JFK (laughs) and just got in an Uber and... uh... 
You look, it's not quite the same weather. You know, when I left this morning, it was 70 degrees and sunny. Not quite the same weather here in New York. There it is. I must be psychic. How did I nail that one? There it is. Matt Holt in the back of an Uber. Very very nicely done, my friend. All right, man. Uh, let's talk about the favorites this weekend. It seemed like a favorites weekend. I believe the favorites covered nine of the 14 games. They went uh, they went nine and five and uh, seemed a little bit predictable this weekend, on Sunday at least. Yeah, I think you're right, but a lot of the sports books seem to say that it was a, a weekend. You know, a lot of times the favorites win. We talk about the book getting killed, but uh, for as many favorites as got home this week, again, it seemed to be an, uh, not the best week for the books or the betters, really. Hmm. And why do you say that? Why do you think that? I think some of the small dogs were really popular choices. The Rams, especially out here in Nevada. You know, the Rams are so popular. Uh, the Cowboys on Christmas Day are so popular. Hmm. So I, think, I mean, on Thanksgiving Day, I think the betters sort of took it on the chin there. I just think it was a weird mix. Unpopular favorites along with uh, some popular underdogs going down like Cleveland. For whatever reason, it's sort of unexplicable. The Cleveland Browns are constantly a popular selection every single week, even as an underdog. And we've talked about this before. Remember years ago when they were going through that winless season, they were dreadful. Uh, People just kept back in Cleveland. They thought there was value there. The the do theory was going to hit. And it was, and they continue not to cover. But for some reason, this is just one of those public teams. Can you imagine, Matt, if this team actually got to be good and they would probably garnish the same type of money that the Packers or the Cowboys or the Raiders do if they were good? And I don't know if it's because that uh, uh, people are in love with Baker Mayfield or they actually like his progressive commercials. I don't know either, but they're one of those teams, the Browns. We've seen it year in and year out out here. And they're good enough. I mean, I wouldn't say they're good yet, but they're certainly good enough. And with a healthy Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I think expectations certainly went up this week, and uh, they didn't live up to those this week. Mm-hmm. Matt Holt uh, joined us at uh, U.S. Integrity. Matt, let's talk a little bit about the Raiders and uh, that impressive victory on the road. This is a team that, that basically they could have uh, – you know, been done for the season. They, had, they lost three in a row coming into this game. Short week. They had all kinds of excuses. Everything that's happened with this, uh, you know, franchise over the last month or so. And then they go into Dallas against the juggernaut offense. And uh, the Raiders, they, they match him stride for stride and actually outplayed him for a majority of the game. But one of the sloppiest games I think that we've ever seen. A total of 276 yards and penalties. But at the end... The Raiders got the W, and all of a sudden now the Raiders are rejuvenated again. And I don't know what to make of that game in terms of was it the Raiders came out and had a really excellent performance or the Dallas Cowboys continue to be massively overrated. I mean, we're talking about a team that's lost three out of their four past four games in the Dallas Cowboys with the only win coming against the Atlanta Falcons, and they just got hammered by Denver, lost to Kansas City, uh, they just haven't looked great. So I don't know if it's Dallas is still overrated or the Raiders just came with a big performance, but an amazing win for the Raiders and an AFC West division that is not only wide open, but probably the most interesting division in the entire NFL this season. I know. And with the the Broncos getting the victory over the Chargers, uh, they're hanging around. And then the Chiefs seem to have got things right, but they struggled so much, you know, earlier on. You know, this team, what, at seven and four now. I mean, with the 17 game schedule, that extra week, I mean, it does make things interesting. Uh, do you anticipate Kansas City is just going to eventually run away with this thing, or, or are these teams going to continue to beat each other up? I actually think they're going to beat each other up. I think this is going to be a really close race right down to the very end. You have to love the way Denver's playing right now. They're playing as good as anybody in the division. I mean, everybody was ready to anoint Justin Herbert and the Chargers as the new heir apparent in the AFC West a month ago. But Herbert's not playing as well lately. The team's not playing as well on defense. You know, Herbert continues to throw interceptions and Look, I just think this thing is really wide wide open, and it's really interesting. And from a betting perspective, it's really interesting and garners a lot of attention 
because you have so many big names in big cities. I mean, you have L.A. and Justin Herbert and Pat Mahomes, you know, probably the most popular or one of the five most popular players in the entire NFL. And you have brands like the Raiders. And so I think this division is going to be really fun right down to the wire. And it's just not the AFC West. I mean, you can make the same argument for the East, uh, the North, uh, you know, and even the South. I mean, look at the Indianapolis Colts right now. You got the Indianapolis Colts, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, both of these teams, uh, you know, are hanging around. And they can win on any given, you know, Sunday. I mean, you look at the Colts. They start off very, very slow. They put together a nice little win streak, and then they let one get away yesterday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But uh, they really didn't lose any ground because, you know, the Titans got beat by the Patriots. So all of a sudden now the Patriots are looking like one of the favorites. And we definitely weren't going to, you know, we definitely weren't uh, saying that last year. And we didn't think we were probably going to be saying that this year. But uh, the AFC is totally wide open. It went, and we talked about this before when you talk about future bets. I mean, you could, you could land just any one of these teams at anywhere from like 12 to 20 to 1. Yeah, and when you talk about future bets, the New England Patriots are the one that really stands out that I know some sports books have some heavy liability to because they have such a rabid fan base anyway. They have a head coach who's so widely respected, probably the most respected head coach in all of the NFL, that even when they weren't playing well, they were taking action on the New England Patriots, which is why we never saw them get up to any astronomical odds like 300 to 1 or something when they were 2-4. and four. Because people still believe in, in the coach. People still believe in the team. They have such a great fan base. But you, right now, they are the hottest team in, the, in football. And I would not want to be playing the New England Patriots. I mean, that's a heck of a future ticket if you were able to get New England probably at its peak around 50 to 60 to one. You have to love where you're at right now. Yeah. The Patriots are looking uh, very solid. You, you went back, you talked about Cleveland and we saw the game last night with Baltimore and, and the Browns. Uh, what are you making of the Ravens right now? We saw Lamar Jackson with, uh, with three interceptions last night, but then again, he can turn it on uh, when he needs to, you know, with his legs and that Baltimore defense still coming up big. Uh, this Ravens team is a very, very scary team. And again, I put them in there with all these other teams that, you know, any given Sunday, uh, you know, they, they, they could show up and they, any of these teams can go on a elongated run. And the way that they play, they're really uh, tough to handle when they get out in front because they run the football so much, their defense gets after it. You know, they put so much pressure on opposing quarterbacks that if you have to drop back and try to throw the ball 50 times a game against that pass rush, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And Lamar Jackson and the way that they run the football, they are so good as front runners. This is the hardest team in the NFL to figure out. I took them before the season started to win that division just because I didn't believe in Cleveland. I never thought Cincinnati would be as good as they have been this year. I think they're the surprise team in terms of, overall how well the team has played not just one particular player but Baltimore again when we get to the playoffs and it gets cold and things get tight I mean at the end of that half the decision making uh, when you have the lead going into half that the the fact that Lamar Jackson threw not just one but multiple interceptions and of course Cleveland blundered you know bumbled it and blundered it away and didn't take advantage or capitalize on it but the decision-making in clutch situations by Lamar Jackson has to be continued to be a concern. And I, really, I don't know if they can win three big games in a row to get to the Super Bowl uh, with Lamar Jackson, you know, just with the decisions he makes sometimes. Matt Holt uh, joins us. Uh, we're talking now. Let's move over to the NFC, Matt. And you, we're talking about public teams. And like I mentioned, you know, we know that the Packers have always been a public team. I was really shocked. I was surprised that the Packers were an underdog yesterday at home, Lambeau Field, knowing cold weather and the way the Rams have been playing as well, too. And especially considering the slide that the Rams have been on. I mean, this team now has lost three games in a row. I don't know if you were caught, you know, by surprise why the Rams were a point and a half favorite yesterday. I was a little bit surprised about that, but when I talk to a lot of people that are that make the power rankings that basically set the lines for the NFL, 
the Rams are either one, two, or three in everybody's power ratings. They just, I, I don't know the exact reason why. And we've seen the Rams when they're playing their best football this year. They look like they should be the number one power rated team in the NFL. But that offensive line hasn't been playing well now for a month. They've had four straight games of poor offensive line play. And Matthew Stafford's another one of those guys. He's not all that mobile. If he doesn't have time in the pocket to set his feet and make throws, then we see the quality of his throws rapidly deteriorate. We saw it again, you know, more turnovers yesterday. So I was a little bit surprised. But for whatever reason, the Green Bay Packers just continue to be disrespected since Matt LaFleur took over. And they made it to the NFC Championship game two years in a row. But yet people always, when you look at where they're rated, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth best team, they ne- despite what their record is, they never seem to climb into that top three in the power ratings. With any of these people who make odds for a living, nobody has Green Bay in the top three. Maybe that changes after the performance yesterday. Yeah, and we look at the Rams' schedule, too. I mean, they've only played four teams with, with a winning record on their schedule, and they've been a benefactor of a pretty soft schedule uh, you know, in, in blasting some of these teams and, and maybe, you know, getting that those power ratings, uh, you know, putting up some gaudy offensive numbers really against not good football teams. And I think this team is exposed. I mean, when you think about it, Matt, I mean, in their last three games, I mean, they've pretty much been non-competitive against the Titans. They lost by 12, lost by 21 to the Niners. And yesterday, the final score was eight by, by the Packers, but the Packers led wire to wire in this game. Yeah, it was never that close. It never felt like the Rams were really in that game or threatening to win that game yesterday. I'm with you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think eventually people are going to have to come around on Green Bay. And, and, and you know, it looks like at this point they're going to be the number one seed in the playoffs. They deserve to start getting some respect. And to your point, the Rams really beat up on soft schedule early. But that NFC West is brutal, and, and I could see a Rams team struggling to make the playoffs before it's all said and done. All right, really not a marquee game tonight, but obviously there's some interest because both these teams are are still alive for you know maybe a seventh seed you know come playoff time because we've still got you know plenty uh, plenty to go. Seattle is at Washington. It looks like uh, the line has moved in favor of Seattle, which could be a little surprising here um, because Seattle has struggled mightily. And uh, Russell Wilson hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in about a month. Uh, Some thoughts on on tonight. So Seattle now being a two-point favorite against Washington. Yeah, I thought that move was interesting as well. And you just brought it up. Russell Wilson hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in a month. And a lot of people I talked to said, you know, look, he was – you know, he was hamstrung by the injuries, but he's back now. And this is the first game where he's actually going to be full strength. And, but that offensive line is still playing really bad. And, you know, for as good as a wide receiver tandem as they have there, I mean, they have two of the best wide receivers in football. They don't seem to be doing a very good job all of a sudden of being able to get the ball in either of those playmakers' hands. And when Seattle's offense is really clicking, Both of those guys are heavily involved, but I think they really need to find a way to get the ball in the hands of playmakers. Washington is a team every single week that seems to get the least amount of betting respect on the board. And I'm not sure why, because this is a team that made the playoffs last year, albeit because they won the worst division in the entire NFL, but they still were a playoff team. Their defense is still above average. But they just get no respect when it comes to the betting windows. I don't know if it's Heineke, the quarterback, or or just the fact that they have a lack of star power. But uh, I think it's a little bit of the public driving the number tonight. It's Monday Night Football, a lot of public action. They love being on the, the known commodity, and Russell Wilson is certainly that tonight. Yeah, I agree with you. And it may have something to do, like I said, with Heineke, Washington just not being a dynamic offensive football team. And I think you know the injury to Chase Young has something to do with this, too. And, and again, uh, and then you hit the nail on the head, too, it, you know, the public commodity. And I think you know how people think. Uh, it's like, hey, you know, Seattle, they're, they're better than what they showed, even though they might not be. But, you know, are, are they really that bad? Well, they have to bounce back. So this could be the night they bounce back against a, an opponent that really is not that, that sexy or dynamic. And I think the odds makers have been proven right in a few examples this year of kind of holding pad on teams that we all thought were bad. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers. We continued to see inflated lines on the Niners week after week, despite the fact that they were losing week after week. And then I guess 
I don't want to say the odds makers were proven right, but now after blowing out Jacksonville, blowing out the Rams, I think the odds makers at least feel vindicated that by holding Pat where they did with the Niners, that they were right. And I think the same sort of thing is happening here with the Seattle Seahawks, that we have seen this offense for so many years under Russell Wilson be so dynamic that they're saying, look, we don't believe what we've seen. We think when this team is healthy that this is how good they are. Thus, we're going to continue to put out odds saying Seattle's better than their record or their power ratings or their differential would indicate. But this is a prove-it game tonight for the Seahawks. If you cannot get it done in this game, I don't think they have any chance of making the playoffs. I mean, at the end of the day, this is kind of a win or forget about it game for both these teams. And I I think they're both sort of on the outside looking in regardless. But if either of these two teams are going to have any chance at at making the playoffs this year, you have to get it done tonight. And at least, if nothing else, it's a low point spread, and it makes for an exciting game. It does. All right. Uh, let's uh, change over and talk about some college football, uh, Matt, and just some off-the-field news. Uh, Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma for USC. You know, USC, it's a great move for them. Uh, you know, Speaking of Seattle and Pete Carroll, I mean, this team has not been relevant since Pete Carroll left USC to go coach the, the Seattle Seahawks. They've been a mess, but as we know, and you know better than anybody with that Pac-12, this team has got plenty of money to dish out. They wanted a high-profile coach. Uh, Lincoln Riley just drops the bomb on Oklahoma uh, after that. You know the Bedlam game at Oklahoma State. They're in Stillwater. Uh, this is a game where both of these teams were ten and one, and you know Oklahoma was still talking about there was a, a spot for them maybe to get into the college football playoff, especially when Ohio State went down to Michigan, and then boom, things have just flipped upside down there in Norman. Now you got Oklahoma with all the decommits. You got Lincoln Riley didn't say nothing to no one. He goes to USC. All of a sudden now USC is relevant again. Just with all of that, man, tell me what you were thinking uh, when you heard all this news go down in the last 24 hours. I'll tell you, it ended up being a crazy weekend for me. I, we had several anonymous tips complaining about the game, saying, you know, Oklahoma has a two-score lead and, you know, late in that game, and Lincoln Riley knows he's leaving, but if they would have won, he would have had to play in the Big 12 title game. And obviously, I, I threw all of that out. I don't think there was any nefarious activity, but what bad optics that you blow a double-digit, double, double digit, two-score lead late in that game lose a game, to to your point, which could have put them right in the CFP, at least in the conversation. And then the day after it announced that you're going to USC, uh, really troubling times for, you know, the, the Big 12 and Oklahoma. But I guess at the end of the day, if you're the Big 12, Oklahoma and Texas have already both announced they're leaving. Um, I guess maybe if you're if you're the SEC, you're mad today because you thought you had a juggernaut coming in. And I'm not sure if that's going to be the case or not. As we know in college football, the landscape with NIL is changing. Now, for Lincoln Kennedy and USC, what a great hire. Because you talk about schools that have money, and it's not just about having money anymore, but how do you attract kids through NIL? And who's better to attract kids than a city like Los Angeles where the opportunities for student-athletes to acquire their own uh, NIL deals are probably tenfold what can be offered in Oklahoma. Now you throw in Lincoln Riley. We could be looking at the return of the Trojans here in the national championship conversation sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, this guy is... He's got a great offensive mind, but I'm real curious. Remember, he was a first-year head coach. He's still young. He's 38, but he came into that job at Oklahoma as a first-year coach with Bob Stoops guys and all that tradition and all that success. He's taken over a USC program, again, like I mentioned. You know, it hasn't been relevant since Pete Carroll. I mean, the Clay, Clay, Clay Hilton era was was disastrous. I mean, he's not going to have a, a bunch of top-tier talent you know, you know, at his disposal right away. Now you could probably say the Pac-12 is down a little bit, and he can, you know, make a splash right away. But he's going to be cashing a big time check when he goes to USC because we know that there are plenty of of open checkbooks there with that alumni at USC. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think NIL is going to change the world, and people say, "Hey, is it going to be more disparity in sports, or are the rich going to get richer?" 
I think it's going to lead in some cases to the rich getting richer. And it, really, it's going to be about the opportunities for student athletes to make money. And it's not necessarily the number one guys, the top ranked quarterbacks, because they're going to have a ton of opportunities already. It's about getting that four star and, you know, having your backup offensive linemen be four stars who say, hey, I'll go to USC because there's so much money on the table in a city like Los Angeles that I can get 80 grand, 150 grand a year in NIL money. So even if I'm not the starter or I'm not the best player on that line, you know, if I could only get 40 grand in a city like Cincinnati, but I can get 150 in LA, send me to USC. I think these big city schools are going to see, are going to have one heck of a recruiting advantage going forward with NIL. All right, uh, real quick before we let you go, Matt. Friday, the Pac-12 championship game football side comes here to Allegiant Stadium for the very first time. Maybe not the most attractive matchup. I mean, you got two great programs in in Oregon and Utah. Uh, Give me some quick thoughts. This is a really interesting matchup. And look, Utah came into this game two years ago with CFP hopes on the line. And it was Oregon who stunned them, a veteran Oregon team with Justin Herbert at the round. I actually think that this year, you know, everyone's going to be on Oregon. They're the team to beat. But, but I don't think they get the most, most consistent quarterback play out of Brown. I think Utah might be the spoiler this year, and I would be looking to play the dogger pass. All right, and again, they just met uh, you know two weeks ago where Utah throttled Oregon thirty-eight to seven up there in Salt Lake, and now they're going to meet again. Uh, we'll see. You know, the Ducks. Uh, you know, they they woke up and they uh, spanked Oregon State pretty good. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And again, Pac-12. Uh, you know, here in Vegas, we've had it for basketball for quite some time now with their conference tournament. Now we get the championship game here. Las Vegas Bowl coming a few weeks uh, down the road. This is. This is great stuff, man, and we got to get people out to Legion Stadium to check this out. If you can't get out there for a Raider game, get out here for some major college football. I'm going to be there. I'll be at the uh, at the pregame festivities, and I'll be down there Friday. Hope to see you there, TC. I will be there, brother. Okay, enjoy your uh, trip to New York, your time the next few days. We'll see you back here on Friday, brother. I can't wait to get back to the warm weather. I hate the cold. <laughs> this is true. See you later. Take care, man. There he is, Matt Holt. Talking to us from New York City. I want to thank Kevin Kruger for joining us, the head coach of UNLV on the basketball side. Heidi Fang, the active Raiders reporter for the Las Vegas Review Journal and also Raider Nation Radio. Appreciate her uh, joining us today as well, too. Uh, we've got everyone coming this week uh, Trevor Maddich, Steve Berline, uh, the list goes uh, on and on. And uh, uh, Andre Risen is going to be joining us uh, this week as well, too. So plenty to talk about. Major League Baseball is heating up, too. Max Scherzer signs with the Mets. Huh? $40 million, $43 million a year for the next three years? Insane in the membrane for that. Sterling Marte. Sterling Marte signed uh, with them as well, too. Crazy stuff going on. Mets trying to be relevant here. All right. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. Glad to be back with you after a week off. Back at the Cosmopolitan coming on Friday. And again, every day, Monday through Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. right here. Have yourself a good one. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2.